The work of early filmmaker, writer and film theorist Bella Balash is the focus of a new exhibition and book launch organised by the University of Warwick and the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. The book, Bella Balash, Early Film Theory, has been edited by Professor Erica Carter from the University of Warwick's Department of German Studies. We spoke to Erica to find out more about the influence of Bella Balash. Your new book is the first English translation of Bella Balash's early work. Could you just tell me a little about the man and his career? Well, he was born in Hungary. He was German-speaking Jewish. And he was born Herbert Bauer. He wasn't born Bela Balash. You need to know a little bit about what was going on in Hungary at that point. Hungary was still part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, but increasingly unhappily so. And there was a very strong nationalist movement, which I suppose... Balash belonged to. So when he was 16, he started writing poetry and he, at that point, changed his name to his pen name, Bela Balash, which was a Hungarian name and that was part of a kind of commitment to um, a revival of a properly Hungarian literature and culture. He then moves to Budapest. He's very gifted already. He is befriended by two very significant figures, two composers, Bela Bartok and Zoltan Kodai. They're doing very similar things but with music. They are travelling around the Hungarian countryside collecting folk songs. And so Balash moves into their orbit. At this point, he's not concerned with film centrally. He's writing poetry. He starts to write fairy stories. And that's part of this whole kind of turn to folk roots um, to try and create something that might be called a Hungarian folk culture. One of the things that he's best remembered for now is the libretto that he wrote for Bartok's only opera, uh, Duke Bluebeard's Castle. So he's, he's very prolific as a writer at that point. Why was his work so groundbreaking? That's all the early period, and, and he then gets very involved in Hungarian intellectual circles. He helps found something called the Sunday Circle, which is a kind of intellectual grouping which includes somebody who by this point has become another very close associate, cultural philosopher Georg Lukács, who is later going to become one of the kind of luminaries of early 20th century Marxism. And he and Lukács found this group of intellectuals, which includes somebody called Karoli Mannheim, who will later change his name to Karl Mannheim and go into exile, as all of these people did. So a little nucleus forms of thinkers who are trying to understand what a new Hungary might look like after the end of the First World War. And they gradually turn increasingly towards revolution as the way forward and towards Marxist revolution in the case of Balash and Lukács. That culminates in 1919 in a very short-lived Hungarian Soviet Republic. Balash has a job as um, the head of the literary department. In that capacity, I mean, he's, he's a real utopian Balash, and he wants to kind of reconnect the revolutionary movement with the culture of the people. So he does things like he stages public readings of fairy stories, and he talks about making life into a fairy story. It's a very short-lived moment. The revolution is crushed, and Balash and Lukács and a lot of others go into exile. And coming around to your question about why he's so significant, particularly for film, he carries on as a writer, primarily, but he's recruited as the cultural critic for a new sort of left liberal Vienna daily called Der Tag. And he begins to write 
film reviews, amongst other things. And he gets increasingly interested in the medium because he thinks that it is the, the modern form of the fairy tale, if you like. And if there's any potential, he thinks, for a kind of cultural transformation, then it's going to come through the moving image. He starts to write screenplays. He's writing criticism. He moves in exile circles in Vienna, but eventually, in 1926, he moves to Berlin. He's very involved in bringing in Soviet film to Germany, he translates the titles and so on. So he's kind of an agitator, a writer of screenplays, but also he's building up a stock of short pieces on individual films, which in 1924... He turns into a book, which is the book that we've now translated. I've worked with the translator Rodney Livingston on this, who, in fact, many years back, had translated some key works by Lukács, so he knows the idiom very well. In 1924, Balash collects his thoughts in this book, Visible Man, which is the first German language. Remember that he's bilingual German and Hungarian, and he's writing by this point exclusively in German. It's the first extended German language work on film, the new medium, how do we perceive it, how is it changing our lives. So that's the first moment at which he's recognised as a really, really significant figure. So your book is, <coughs> is being launched at a new exhibition taking place at BAFTA and the Everyman Cinema in Hampstead. What exactly is going to be on display there? The exhibition is curated by... Susanna uh, Ardo, who came to me when we were on the brink of finishing the translation. She knew Balash, um, had read him in English and Hungarian, and is a great admirer. And she thought there was the potential for an exhibition which would showcase his work, which would give a kind of visual emphasis to the work that we were doing on the book. And Susanna is a member of BAFTA as a photographer and has previously done an exhibition at BAFTA on, on Alexander Corder. So she already knew that there was a possibility there that something might work on Balash. She approached BAFTA. They have been extraordinarily welcoming. Um, they see it as part of their educational mission to um, do work of this kind that reaches a, a wider public beyond the BAFTA membership, although the BAFTA membership is 6,500 anyway, so it's already quite large, but these are by and large people working within the industry, of course. BAFTA have been extremely supportive of the project. They are launching the book and opening the exhibition on June the 8th. At the same time, because the exhibition itself after June the 8th won't be open to the public because BAFTA is a private members club, it's being launched at the Everyman Cinema in Hampstead and it'll tour the Everyman Cinemas this autumn. And what will be his lasting legacy? I think that he already has... A legacy. I mean, he's one of the early theorists who was trying to understand film as a, as a new art form and how one might think about its particular qualities. I think rather than thinking about his lasting legacy, it's perhaps more interesting to think about why there's a particular interest in him now. These two books were published, as I said, in German, and they were recently republished by Zurkamp, which is a German publishing house. A full edition of his other writings is now being published by the Arsenal Fellard. Those two earlier works have recently been translated into Italian. They've been translated into Hungarian because, as I said, although he spoke Hungarian, he didn't write them originally in Hungarian. So there's an emerging interest in Balash, as there is in a lot of other 
early film theory of that period, of the interwar period. And I think the reason for that is that we are in a very similar moment of profound change in the relationship between, if you like, I mean, this may sound rather grand, but the relationship between human perception and the audiovisual, audiovisual technology. We're, we're, you know, everybody talks about the fact that we're moving into a digital age. One of the things that, that Balash writes about, and he's extremely prescient, extremely forward-looking in this, is he talks about how the advent of the film camera has produced a kind of compulsion to document experience. One example that he uses for that is Shackleton's expedition to the Antarctic, where Shackleton, of course, famously gets stuck. They get stranded for numbers of months in in the ice, and the ship breaks up in front of their eyes, and they don't know at that point. In fact, the whole mission was was rescued. Shackleton went off and found a rescue party, and they were all the men. I think were, were finally retrieved. I think there were about forty of them, and there may be may have been more. But Balash is fascinated by the fact that every detail of this absolute disaster, including the breakup of the ship, is is filmed. And he talks about how even in the moment of death, if you like, because the, the breaking up of the ship means, at that point, seems to mean certain death. He wants to know why there is this compulsion to understand that immediately in terms of moving images. And he, he also talks about war photography and a lot of uh, images that were coming back in the later years of the First World War of cameramen at the front shooting their own death, quite literally. And he's he's fascinated by this notion that we do not perceive the world properly until we've captured it in an image. And I think that's a very contemporary discussion um, about, you know, why, why is it that we are so obsessed with digital photography, capturing every moment on our mobile phones, on our cameras, putting it up on Facebook, circulating pictures of ourselves rather than walking around the corner to see our friends. Those are the, exactly the kinds of issues that Balash was also preoccupied by. So I think that's one of many reasons why he's certainly a very present figure 